Hi, I'm Kara Berry, host of Everyone's Business But Mine, and I am an all-inclusive addict. Enter Club Med, the best all-inclusive for you and your family. With resorts worldwide from their family flagship resort, Club Med Punta Cana, to their only mountain resort in Canada, Club Med Quebec, they have everything you need to relax with their 20-plus sports activities, wellness programs. You can dine on delicious cuisine and make memories with your family. So book your next getaway with Club Med. Visit clubmed.us or call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor. Welcome back to the Women's Podcast. I'm Roisin Ingle. And of course, if this is your first time listening or you just recently started listening, thanks so much for putting us in your ears. Today, we are talking to Sinead Kennedy, who lives in Dublin with her cat, Suti. She is a solo travel mentor, mental health and well-being coach and a fitness fanatic and a cyclist with an interesting story to tell. I love doing an audit with myself. I know it sounds a bit crazy. I, I just adore sitting down going, you know what, right, the next six months I want this, the next year I want that. And and it just helps to put, you know, give yourself a little plan or a goal instead of just winging it. And, you know, and I think a lot of people are just winging it or going through the motions. And that's, you know, something that's not good enough for me anymore. I used to do that. And now I decide, no, you know what, I know exactly where I want to go. I have a bucket list. And, you know, every year I go, right, what on my bucket list can I do? And I think as well, you know, we're also career driven or, you know, we save for mortgages and things, but we forget about the biggest and most important thing, which is to live a happy life and to be happy in yourself. Before we hear more from Sinead Kennedy, uh, I just wanted to mention that I know the Russell Brand allegations and the dispatches program on Channel 4 may have brought up a lot of issues for some of our listeners. And I just really wanted to mention that and to offer some solidarity, whatever about Brand. We know the statistics of how common it is in a woman and a girl's life that we experience unwanted attention across a spectrum from horrible comments of strangers right through to sexual assault and rape. And sometimes these are experiences that we push down or minimise or stay silent about because we don't feel we'll be listened to. And also we're still surround these things in a, in a lot of shame. We've spoken a lot about these kinds of issues on the podcast. So it's just to say, like I said, to offer a bit of solidarity and also please do feel you can go and get help and support from the likes of Women's Aid or the Rape Crisis Centres or just even talk to friends who you know that you can trust. Elsewhere, it's been an interesting week in women's soccer in Ireland. We heard from the team, including Katie McCabe and veteran players like Diane Caldwell, who some of you might have been surprised to hear say that the team got to the World Cup in spite of their manager, Vera Pau, not because of her. Uh, it sounded quite harsh to my ears, but clearly the FAI have taken the players' views on board in relation to the former manager, Vera Pau. And I am obviously not a soccer expert, so this comes with a big health warning. But I do feel it's worth remarking 
and observing the fact that Vera Pau did the unthinkable. She got us to the World Cup. She clearly created something very special in the four years that she was in charge. But that wasn't enough, apparently, to be kept on and her contract wasn't renewed. There's so much in that story, lots of twists and turns and complexities and different views. But I just think it's kind of sad that it ended this way. On the other hand, the team, the Irish women's soccer team, are playing in the Aviva Stadium for the very first time this Saturday. And that's another incredible milestone for the team who are now led by Eileen Gleeson. So we wish them the best of luck for that kickoff. It's 1pm and of course they're sponsored and supported by Sky Ireland. And there is so much more visibility and support for the team now. And I think Vera Pau has a lot to do with that. And whatever happened, I think her legacy in Irish football is secure and nobody can take that away. But good luck to the girls in green on Saturday, 1pm kickoff in the Aviva Stadium. Before we get on to the programme, I also just wanted to mention Shauna Kerslake, who we had on this show a few years ago when she was in a film called A Date for Mad Mary. Shauna is a phenomenal actor and she's starring in a movie called Bally Walter, which is released today in cinemas. She is just wonderful in this film and it is a gorgeous, gorgeous movie. She plays a young taxi driver in Belfast called Eileen who is really kind of broken and disillusioned with life. Uh, And she strikes up this unlikely friendship with one of her passengers. And he's called Shane. He's a middle-aged man living uh, a bit outside Belfast in a place called Ballywater, hence the name of the film. And Shane is also a bit of a broken person. He's played by Patrick Keelty, who is kind of busy at the moment being fantastic on The Late Late Show and also starring in his very first uh, role as an actor. So it's incredible, incredible timing for him. Anyway, go and see Bally Walter. It's just one of those really special movies. It will make you think and laugh. And maybe if you're a wuss like me, it will make you cry. Bally Walter, beautiful, brilliant and bloody funny as well, which is all the things we need. And uh, Shauna Kerslake and Patrick Keelty are both fantastic in it. So go and see that film. Now, my guest today is Sinead Kennedy. And when Sinead was 32 years old, she was overwhelmed, exhausted, mentally burnt out and basically sick of everything that was going on in her life. And after a traumatic life changing event, she chose to pick herself up, shake herself off and make a decision to live her life to the fullest. Uh, She writes all about it in her self-published book, Life is a Cycle. It's an honest, lighthearted and moving memoir of one woman's unwavering strength of character and commitment to live life with passion, fun and fulfilment. I really enjoyed talking to her and I hope you will too. She's a very interesting person from the point of view of seeing what happens when we're in a position to take full responsibility for our own happiness. For her, cycling was a big part of it. She's had solo cycling and travel adventures all over the world. And really by taking quality time with herself, she sort of finds her life purpose and discovers a grit and a character, which is really inspiring, sort of carving her own path and um, deciding not to do all the things that society maybe says a woman should do, i.e. settle down and have children and get married. She turns her back on all of that and as a result has a really fulfilling life. Here she is, Sinead Kennedy. Sinead, your book starts when you're sitting in a not very nice sounding garden at a psychiatric institution. How did you end up there? So, Roisin, yeah, the book starts in 2005 when I was 32 years of age and I was in St. Pat's. And unfortunately, what had happened was, I guess, there had been a huge lead up to my, I don't want to use the word breakdown because it wasn't really, it was just pure exhaustion. But I basically, I was juggling a lot of balls and then one day they were all dropped. So, 
in 2005, like I said, I was 32, but I was trying to fit into Irish society. I had bought a house that I couldn't afford. I signed for that on Monday. On Friday, my boyfriend dumped me. He said I was too unpredictable and he never knew what was coming out of my mouth next. Do you think is, he had a point? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then also, then the following day, Saturday, I lost my job because it was January and I had been working in a bar all winter, all Christmas. And then they said, no, it's January. We don't need you anymore. So that was sort of in the January. And then I basically struggled on and I was studying, working full time, trying to get jobs here, there and everywhere to pay this mortgage that I couldn't afford. And uh, drinking was a huge part and I was miserable. And then just uh, one day, basically, I just decided I'd had enough of everything. And I did I did try and take my own life a couple of times, but uh, I wasn't obviously very successful at that, thankfully. And um, But I was taken into St. Pat's for my own safety. And that's where the book starts. And um, it's about moving on from that moment in time. And for you, um, the very good health kind of um, care that they offer there, that just you you knew very well. You were very alive to the fact that wasn't going to help you, that there was something, some other way that you needed to help yourself almost. Yeah. So when I was in there, I just found that um, and again, it needs to be, this is my own personal experience and other people will find a different experience in there. But I just knew deep down that I wasn't sick as, per se. I just was living a miserable life and I was miserable internally, externally. And and as a result, you know, I was attracting miserable situations to me. And, you know, I just wasn't in a good place in my life. So I sat back took, uh, you know, a big audit of my life and decided, no, I have to take responsibility and I'm the only one that can make a change in my life. And I, you know, you're responsible for your own happiness. And that's a really big message in the book is that, uh, you know, you do have to carve your own path. And sometimes there will be a crossroads and you decide which way you're going to turn. Sometimes you even have to build a whole new road, you know, carve out a whole new path. And you turned to um, put on a leotard, basically. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So I had always wanted to be a fitness instructor and I had always wanted to work on the cruise ship. So I went, uh, went back, retrained, uh, became, uh, found my inner Jane Fonda. She had been a huge inspiration to me growing up. And, um, and then I applied to the cruise ships and lo and behold, then in 2006, I think it was, I stepped on board a beautiful ship in Singapore and sailed the high seas for a year solid and just was living the dream life. And did you had did you give up drinking? Did you stop that kind of side of your life? At that time, I quit for about six or seven months and then slowly but surely sort of went back on it. But I never really thought it was a, an issue. And later on, about, I think it's eight years ago now, I stopped completely. I just, I had a another sort of fright. It was, uh, I was in a relationship and it wasn't going great. And I just, I realised again, I had to take stock of myself and take responsibility for my life. Realised I was drinking too much. I was... I noticed I was headed down a, a path I had been down before and I didn't like where I was going. So I just, I literally just put the drink down one day and said, you know what, I'm not doing that again. And I know people don't believe me that I just literally stopped one day, but I but I did. I literally just made a decision and that's that, done, dusted, mm. no more. I think more. it happens to people sometimes like that and, and probably because you'd been, you've recognised the path you were on, you were able to kind of just go, right, that's that's not a place I want to be again. Exactly. Like I had, you know, I had fought very hard to change my life once before in 2005 and I had done so much work on myself and personal development. And then I suddenly realised again there, um, I think it was 2016, um, that I was starting to get out of control again, recognise the signs. 
And I always kind of, in my own head, I'd kind of say ants. You know, if you see one ant, you can be damn sure there's a load of other ants behind him. <laughs> so I kind of saw an ant and I didn't like, yeah, I just yeah. knew there and then I had so to let's, be So let's go back on the cruise ships. You were having a drink at this time, your, your life had sold at the party. And that must have been, that was a life-changing year for you because the path that you'd been on or the pressures that you'd felt, because you write about in the book, it's a, it's a you talk about being a, a caterpillar going into a butterfly that's kind of throughout the book. Um, but you were kind of on a, one path or you felt pressured into one path, like a lot of women do, not just in Ireland, around the world, like ticking off the boxes of settling down, having a family, you know, being in a relationship, all of those things. You realised that wasn't for you and that year on the cruise ships was like the start of a different kind of life. Yeah, totally. And I, I was, I was trying to fit into society. Like I said, I bought a house I couldn't afford. And, you know, as much as I was heartbroken at the time, you know, being dumped was a blessing in disguise, you know. And uh, yeah, and I did. You know, the lucky thing is when I did step away, I stepped out of my life so that I could reevaluate my own situations. And just, um, you know, sometimes you have to step out to look back in and then, I just, yeah, I got to travel all over the world. I was in 40 countries. I had no financial pressures because there was, you know, food and board on board the cruise ships. And I just got to meet people from all over the world, both guests on board and other crew members. And, you know, it's fantastic because I'm still in touch with a lot of the crew members that I was there with. I visited them in other countries. They visited me. And, you know, it's just, it was just really you know, a bit of an awakening time, if you know, it was a really big time of change and transition. And that's why I used the caterpillar to the butterfly, because I literally found my wings <laughs> and uh, became sort of the colourful person I was meant to be instead of trying to box myself and uh, pigeonhole myself into sort of society's expectations of a 32-year-old woman. Yes, and society clipping your wings very much. Uh, instead of that, you went flying off. It's a lovely image. So tell me about the book. It's called uh, Life is a Cycle. So bikes are huge in your life and have been huge in the kind of travelling that you've done as well. So how did that all happen? Were you always a cyclist? So we, I grew up on a farm up the back of Tala and at that time, you know, Tala wasn't half the size it is now. So for my first uh, taste of independence was was my bike and, you know, all the older, all my cousins grew up near us, you know, all the farms backed onto each other and all the older kids could cycle and I could see them going off doing things and going places and I was like the little sister. So again, I had to sort of catch up and wanted to be part of the gang. So learning to ride a bike was hugely important and I absolutely loved it. And it's kind of funny, I'm, I'm a bit of an awkward left-hander. So, you know, in the book, I kind of talk about, you know, trying to learn how to play tennis or cricket or knit or crochet. I, it was just <laughs> always a disaster for me. But cycling, I didn't need to be left or right-handed. I, I, I could be the same as everybody else. And I just loved the freedom and, you know, the, the thrill that it gave me. It just suited me down to the ground. And I realised then in later years that, you know what, I adore travelling and I can cycle anywhere in the world. So that's what I've been doing. Mm. So you joined a club? I do. I'm in a Orwell Wheelers here in, in Dublin. It's the biggest cycling club in Ireland. And I joined the cycling club in 2010. And it wasn't necessarily uh, for fitness because I was always pretty fit anyway. But it was great because I had returned back to Ireland. I needed to meet people. I also wanted to do something that was healthy, you know, not around drink or nightclubs and all the rest of it. And actually, it was one of the, well, it's probably the best thing I've ever done for myself because then we started going on weekends away around Ireland, you know, cycling the Ring of Kerry, cycling, you know, the Bearer Peninsula and, you know, all these kind of places in Ireland that I'd actually never been to. But also I had just found my tribe and I fitted in nicely and nobody cares what you work at. Nobody cares who you're married to. Nobody cares 
anything other than the fact you have a bike between your legs and off we go. Like, it's just, you know, as long as there's cake, we don't care what happens in between. <laughs> and it wasn't a women's cycling club. It Was it a mixed club? Yes, yeah, so the club is mixed. And at the time, I did start in a little women's section. Again, the club is, was a lot smaller than it is now. And every Saturday, there was about 10 women we used to go out. And, and I really did enjoy being around the other girls because, again, I had been abroad and didn't really know any girls. And, you know, it was a nice way to... Um, you know, just, just, you know, enjoy being around other women. And again, they were like-minded. But then slowly but surely, you know, you know, the club expanded and I started to obviously improve. And then I was cycling further and harder. And then, you know, obviously men came into the group or I joined men's groups. And But it were, they're all mixed, you know. Again, you can cycle at any level in the club. There's, you know, there's we have an 82-year-old still cycling in the club and he's really? fantastic. Yeah. Oh, and then we have juniors, you know, there's kids there, you know, really tiny little things on bikes. So everyone from like, you know, from five to 99 is covered. So this, the travel thing, though, very much ties in with the cycling as well. Like anytime you go anywhere new, you always rent a bike if you can, wherever you go. Yeah. But yeah. tell me about how your your adventure started from there. I mean, were you very clear? You talked about that box that you didn't want to be in, settling down, having children or whatever, whatever um, your sort of family expectations were of you and society's expectations. But did you make that decision and say, I'm not doing that and instead I'm going to travel as widely as I can I'm going to sit with myself and, you know, find out who I am. Yeah, so what happened was after I came home from the cruise ships and I had my house bought and I did want to settle in Ireland, like I did, you know, my parents and everything are here. But I also didn't want to go back to Monday to Friday, nine to five or, you know, be miserable in a job. So I made a deal with myself that uh, I would always have an annual trip of a lifetime. And I I particularly suffer dreadfully in December. It's too dark. It's too cold. I must, you know, when you're single, it's brilliant. But around Christmas time, it's just soul destroying, I find personally. And everyone is busy. Everyone is off doing things because I'm self-employed. I don't have office parties to go to. So I just find everyone is busy and, and it's actually a very lonely time. And people always think that loneliness is for old people. It's not. Anyone can be lonely. So what I do now... Can I ask you about loneliness? Because sure. um, going off travelling on your own, people might think that was lonely. But the part that you're talking about where you're looking around and people are seem to be, appear to be living their lives in a very different way to what the way you are, say, as a woman now in her late 30s or early 40s or whatever, not now, but, you know, back then. Um, that loneliness, tell me what it felt like, how it affected you. So, so yeah, I think the build-up to Christmas is very hard and and... And I think really for me, it's the darkness. You know, I just I just don't do well in the darkness. So you have the, you know, the, the very short days on top of all this, you know, everyone has to be perfect and the perfect Christmas day. And, you know, everyone has to be happy and you have to sit around the table and smile. And there's people at the table you have zero interest in. And I think I'm just not prepared to put up with that sort of, I just don't do fake. So I'm just not going to fake it. And uh, personally, I just remove myself now. I go away every December for three or four weeks, whatever I can How manage. How long have you been doing that? Oh, for years now, since uh, 2010. And when you first did it, what, were you, what was the reaction from, say, your family and friends? No, nobody minded because the first year what I did was I was going down to Sydney, Australia to see a pal for New Year's Eve. And I decided instead of just going to Australia and I went via South America. So I went to Peru, Chile and Bolivia first. 
and then I flew from there to New Zealand and then I went to Fiji for a week and actually I had Christmas Day in Fiji and then I flew to Sydney for New Year's Eve and did the whole bridge and harbour and fireworks and then came home brand new. But Is that what it felt like, you came home brand new? Oh, totally, because I just got to spend so much time on my own and, you know, when you're away from all the clutter, you really hear yourself. So, you know, stepping away, a quiet mind hears its own intuition and I knew exactly... I love doing an audit with myself. I know it sounds a bit crazy, but, you know... It doesn't we, at all it doesn't. Crazy. But, you know, we bring our car every year for an NCT, but yet we never sit down and look at our life and where's our life going and, you know, so... I just adore sitting down going, you know what, right, the next six months I want this, the next year I want that. And and it just helps to put, you know, give yourself a little plan or a goal instead of just winging it. And, you know, and I think a lot of people are just winging it or going through the motions. And that's, you know, something that's not good enough for me anymore. I used to do that. And that's where I ended up, you know, in a hole, basically drinking too much because I was winging it and I never had any idea of, you know, fulfilment. And now I decide, no, you know what, I know exactly where I want to go. I have a bucket list. And, you know, every year I go, right, what on my bucket list can I do? And actually, I took out my bucket list the other day and I got to tick five things off it that I had done in the last 18 months. And I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot I had done that. And, you know, and um, and I think as well, you know, we're also career driven or, you know, we save for mortgages and things, but we forget about the biggest and most important thing, which is to live a happy life and to be happy in yourself and to be able to sit with yourself is is true happiness, because a lot of people are terrified of what will come up if they sit on a flight for 14 hours with themselves. They'll <laughs> distract themselves with movies. They'll distract themselves with drink. They'll talk to the person next to them for 14 hours, anything other than, you know, but personally, I like to take out a pen and paper and plan and journal and doodle and brainstorm and all those things that it, it's just it's it's valuable time and I don't like to waste it. That that first Christmas away sounds amazing. And then can you talk us through a few of the other ones, maybe giving people some inspiration because you, you, are you do you always go somewhere different? Is that yes. the plan? Yeah, okay. yeah. Always somewhere very different, always somewhere very adventurous. So um, so let me see now for Christmases. I did uh, three weeks in India one Christmas. I went to Goa and actually that was amazing because I did yoga every morning. I did a Tai Chi course and then the afternoons were spent on the beach and then the evenings were spent, you know, uh, hanging out with people that I had met on the courses. So that was really cool. Uh, another year I hiked up to Everspace Camp and that was a tough, tough trip. But again, really happy that I did it. This year, just gone 2020 two into 23 I went to Thailand and Laos which was beautiful uh, I've been to Cuba Cuba was amazing and I absolutely adored Cuba and uh, really very quiet a lot of rural places but very poor in you know when you go to India if you give somebody a euro they can go into the shop and buy anything they want with their euro but when you go to Cuba there is nothing to buy and actually I, this is kind of a little bit ironic. When I was leaving Cuba, I left absolutely everything behind. All my clothes, all my shampoos, everything, because they have nothing. And the women were delighted, absolutely delighted with all the stuff that I gave them. And I said to myself, ah, sure, I'll buy new stuff, you know, I'll, you know, come the summer. But of course, then I came home and 2020 hit and all the shops were closed. <laughs> so <laughs> I had no summer clothes that year. So I was, go no, I mean, I wasn't going anywhere. It didn't matter. <laughs> but uh, I was going around dressed literally like Jane Fonda for the summer because it's all I had. <laughs> but but going away at Christmas is, is, a, is a wonderful time. And like that, I always make sure that I go somewhere bright, somewhere sunny, somewhere hot. And 
you know, nowhere celebrates Christmas like Ireland, thank God, because they just it's don't... so funny like, you say that. Like, So you haven't had like turkey and ham for like all that 13 years, pretty much, <laughs> on so a Christmas day anyway. On Christmas day. Because it's not happening anywhere else, really, because you're hardly going to England for your um, lovely, fabulous holiday. No, no, no. Always a trip. Of, I, I adore Asia and I adore South America, so I generally... So tell me, me about there. some of your actual Christmas days. Do you have any memories of yep. sitting, knowing that everyone else back home was doing one thing and you were sitting doing something very... Very, very different. So actually, my favourite cycle that I have ever done was on Christmas Day in Cuba around the Bay of Pigs. And uh, I grew up on a pig farm and I kind of thought it'd be kind of fun to go to the Bay of Pigs. And obviously, I was quite interested in the history. And, you know, that's where uh, the Cubans uh, took down the CIA and all the rest of it, just if anyone doesn't know. So I hired a bike and the guy in my, uh, it's called a casting, you stay in people's houses and he said he was going to get me the best bike in the town, but it, it turned out it was the only bike in the town. <laughs> it, was, it was the best. It was the best, yeah. And, it, and it the was, worst. And the worst. And it, to be honest, it wasn't that bad. I mean, it was missing a few gears and it was a little bit uncomfortable, but look, it was fine. And uh, I, you know, I'm a very strong cyclist and sometimes I kind of forget that, you know, when you're on a, on a really old bike that these distances are a bit crazy. But I cycled 35 kilometres around the bay on this jalopy and I went to the museum, the Revolution Museum, where and they had CIA planes that they'd shot down and stuff. And this was Christmas Day and I'm there looking at grenades and rocket launchers. You know, it's very, very Christian-like. But then I did go to this gorgeous beach um, and I had a couple of hours on the beach and I snorkeled and, you know, just had a really nice snooze and all the rest of it. And then when I was cycling back, I had spotted this little snorkeling cove and I just ditched the bike and I just jumped into this, you know, the Caribbean Sea and I just had a gorgeous snorkel. And then it was really beautiful. And then when I was coming home, you know, I just hung my bikini on the back of the bike to sort of dry it out while I was cycling. And um, the next thing I was cycling along and the bike just came to a very sudden halt and I nearly went over the handlebars and it turned out my bikini had fallen off and gotten wrapped in the in the cogs of the bike and I couldn't get them out. <laughs> so Cuba's very quiet, but thankfully a, a big, big, you know, Mustang came along quite soon and this guy jumped out of the car and he helped me. And he literally reefed my underwear, like the bikini bottoms, out from the cassette. And he was there waving my undies around at me, going, oh, el problemo, el problemo. <laughs> and I was going, oh, my God, yes, el problemo. So, uh, but then I had to sort of hurry home and I had to cycle really fast because it was getting dark. And because you're so near the equator, the sun literally just drops out of the sky. You know, there is no dusk. Um, it just falls out of the sky. And then when I got back to my casa, I got attacked by every mosquito in, in Cuba because I had no repellent on. But to this day, it's my most favourite cycle because I cycled around the bay and I had like my phone just literally, you know, music blaring. My phone was kind of just shoved down the straps and, you know, I was singing my head off and I just had Sounds the best incredible. Christmas day. Um, I don't know if it was Christmas, but what about the time when you were uh, having a massage? Was that a <laughs> one Christmas? That was another Christmas trip. I went to Myanmar and Cambodia. And when I got to Cambodia, it was so cheap. And every night I went around the shops and had a little something to eat. And then I would go for either like a pedicure or a manicure or a foot massage. And one night I decided... So you were really treating yourself because it, it was, was for nothing. Like. It was for nothing. It was like four quid. <laughs> and then um, I decided one night to have a full body massage. And she gave me a male therapist. And me being a woman of the world, no problem. I can do this. And uh, anyway, I was having my massage. And the next thing anyway, he literally just... <laughs> dropped his hand between my legs and uh, asked me would I like to have a nice time with him. <laughs> so, 
Okay, so he thought you were there for a bit of sex tourism. <laughs> he thought I was a sex tourist, and and to be honest, it was kind of my own fault because he asked me who I was traveling with. And of course, me being me was like, oh, I'm independent. I'm a solo woman. I have my own money. I don't need a man. Blah, blah, blah. And then, of course, he took that to mean I'm a sex right. pest. <laughs> <laughs> and he wanted to give you a happy ending. He did, yeah. He was only charging $20. <laughs> and Where was that place again? Sure. <laughs> Asking for a friend. <laughs> hey, hey, it's Kip Bodner, CMO of HubSpot. Join me and my co-host, Kieran Flanagan, CMO over at Zapier. On marketing against a grain, we're not the typical regurgitated Twitter threads. These are takes from us, marketing leaders about what we're doing and what we're learning from our peers and what's working in the market and how you can apply them to your business. Everything you need to grow a modern business and have a strategy that is fit for growth in today's changing economy. Listen to our podcast, Marketing Against the Grain, wherever you get your podcasts. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I mean, it's all been great. You've had adventures. There's been not many terrible things. I think people have this perception, which I find a bit patronizing, that a woman goes off traveling on her own. Oh, my God, would you not be worried? Like, you've had a great run of it, really. And but would you say there are things that I suppose man or woman should should kind of be concerned about when they're going away on their own and they don't have the support of maybe someone around them? Um, are there things you'd advise people? Yes, there are. Th- I always register with the Department of Foreign Affairs. You just go online and I always register where I'm going. You just put in your dates and they know where you are. And I just, you know, I just do that. Um, but nowadays with Wi-Fi and everything, I mean, you know, you like I WhatsApp every day to home so that they don't worry. You know, they do worry. So just, you know, take the worry away from them. And, you know, I kind of share my holiday with them, you know, and I'd go, oh, look, I saw this today. And sometimes I'll actually ring them from somewhere and give them a tour of a cathedral or something while we're there. Um, the, you know, look, I mean, have your wits about you. Look, I don't drink, um, which obviously I don't do drugs, which obviously, again, you know, keep your wits about you. Uh, you know, don't do anything stupid like walking down a dark alley. But again, you wouldn't do that here in Dublin. Anyway, you certainly wouldn't these days. <laughs> you, you certainly wouldn't. And, you know, to be honest with you, I've had zero problems traveling on my own. The only time I ever got robbed was when I actually was traveling with an ex-boyfriend. I was in hiring the car and he was supposed to look after the luggage and he walked off and left our luggage unattended and the luggage got swiped. So unfortunately, things like that will happen. You know, taxi drivers might try and rip you off. Um, you know, you might meet a massage guy with, you know, friendly hands. Um, <laughs> but oh, I'll give you one top tip, actually. And actually, I think it's something very important, even if you're on a bus or a train in Ireland, anywhere in the world, in fact, never, ever put your luggage on the floor between your feet because what they do is they climb in underneath the chair behind you and they slash your bag and they empty your bag. So as far as you're concerned, the bag is there. So what I do now and I tell everybody, um, you know, because I help people to plan trips abroad and things, and I always tell them, look, put your bag on your chest, a backpack, turn the zips Mm. inside to your 
chest and put your arms through the straps and then you can snooze quite comfortably and, and you know, you can feel then if somebody is rummaging around, but they're not going to touch you. But don't put the bag on the overhead or the or between your feet. Like I said, you keep all your belongings on you and especially your passport and your credit cards down the shirt, under the jersey, you know, just set, you know, don't keep all your eggs in one basket and uh and you, you should be fine. I mean, look, I've seen kids getting robbed abroad because they have all, you know, their day packs sitting on top of their suitcase, not minding it, and people come running along. And so it's kind it. of common sense and just being a bit vigilant about your, your stuff, really. Yeah, but, you know, common sense isn't always common, unfortunately. No, I agree, you yeah. You know, and, and it's just, yeah, I mean, you just get wise. And, like, thankfully now I've been travelling alone so much that I have got wise, but that's why I help people now to plan trips. And, and you know, it's all those little things People say about Barcelona, just be very yeah, careful about pickpocketing pick and like everything. Everybody knows about yeah. Barcelona. So actually, I did make a video after that and make sure that I can inform as many people as I can. And I told the guys at reception in the hotel, you know what, you have got to warn your mm. tourists of that. And they were like, oh, yeah, we know about it. And I was like, well, where's your sign? Yeah. You know, like if you can help somebody, you help them. And and again, just pass on that valuable information because it will save somebody being upset. And I think another very important message that you want to talk about, and we kind of alluded to it earlier, is the kind of expectations, particularly on women. And this is the women's podcast. You know, there are boxes you need to tick as a women, woman. And if you end up, like you are single, I think. Yep, single, um, You don't have children. No. Um, you very much are doing your own thing. You're, you have a job that you love. Um, and then you're going off on your, your travels whenever you, you can. And that to some people looks very unconventional and different. And and to some people, like almost like a failure, like you haven't done what you were supposed to do as a woman. So I'd love if you could talk a little bit about that and about how, you know, people maybe who are listening who are also single and haven't made those same things that they, you know, how do you rationalise it in your head and, and defeat that stupid idea of what a woman should be? Because it's only just what society's told us. Yeah. We can be anything we want to be. We can do what we want. You know, I'm lucky in a sense now that I've gotten over that. I'm out of my 30s. You know, the body, the biological clock, you know, that ship has sailed. Nobody's going to bother me now about kids, you know. Um, I, You know, my biggest piece of advice I would say to women who feel under pressure is just don't settle, you know. We've all heard a last chance saloon. You're going to end up with some Egypt that you're going to have to wake up and look at every single morning. And, you know, it's not worth it. It really isn't. If you want kids, you can be an independent mother. You know, there's, you know, I have a godchild now who is from an independent mother. You know, there is no father. She went and got donation and that was fine. And there's nothing that you can't be, particularly now, you know, Years ago, I always wanted to be an air hostess, but it never occurred to me to be the pilot, <laughs> you know, and that's the way it was back in the 70s. But now you can be, you can do anything you want. And, you know, if you do want to get married and have children, that's absolutely fine as well. That's a lifestyle choice. But but I think that's what it, what everyone has to remember is that it is a lifestyle choice. If you decide to have children, that's brilliant. That's your lifestyle choice. Mm-hmm. But please don't try and pigeonhole anybody else into it. And have you found over the years having to deal with that, like to, with with boring regularity, the questions and the assumptions about you and the kind of surprise? Oh, you don't have children. Oh, you're not married. Is that a kind of constant thing that you've had to uh, deal with? No, I tell you what I what I've had to find, and I think anybody who is childless will will understand this is that. Sometimes people will be talking about their kids to you, right? And they're offloading and they're going on and on about their kids. And then you open your mouth and then suddenly they go, well, you're not a mother. What do you know? Right? And, and you're like, right, then don't, I can't have this conversation with you. 
you know, I, I know I'm not a mother, but you've asked for my opinion and maybe I just have an alternative way of looking at life. Um, you know, it's like... It's and also, a, I was a child once. It, yeah, I've been parented I've been and parented. I've observed lots of exactly. things. You know, it's, and it's I've seen a, how yeah. life works. But but I, so I don't get involved anymore in that. I'm just like, yeah, you know what? Sorry to hear your kid is being whatever. Good luck with that. <laughs> you, you know, and I just put that wall up yeah. there now. But people have said to me, oh, well, you know, you can't get a man or this, that. And, and you what? know, and it's really spiteful. And and it's kind of, and you, and you kind of think to yourself, well, look at the state of the yoke you're with. But you can't say that either. No. So, um, no, I think, look, I'm lucky. Nobody bothers me anymore because yeah. I'm in my 50s now. But It's kind of great about being in your 50s, yeah. isn't it? Like, nobody really cares. Nobody cares. They're like, oh, well, yeah. <laughs> you're like irrelevant, so you can just yeah, do what you, you want. Yeah, you are. And you go under the radar now. <laughs> yeah. And everyone, and you know, there's grandchildren now. So everyone else is busy. And you're like, yeah, that's grand. Leave me off. Now, the thing is, people think if you're a single and, you know, you're an older, getting an older woman fit in your 50s, that you might be this crazy cat lady. But that can't be the case, can it? So, uh, actually, when I cycled from... Uh, the north of Spain all the way into Portugal while I was on that trip my nephew found a little kitten and she was about five or six weeks old and she was in an awful state and he knew I'm a sucker well I'm a sucker for animals <laughs> so he was sending me these pictures anyway and I just the minute I saw her I said do you know what I have to have her because I had been thinking about getting a pet and you know what when I eventually I came home from Spain and Portugal um, I took her in and oh my god she has changed my world because I guess as well, the fact that I was never a mother, that suddenly I had this little thing to mind. And oh my God, I nearly lost my mind the first two weeks. Like she was up the curtains, down the curtains, around, like she was into everything and I didn't sleep for two weeks. And I thought, how do people have kids? I have no idea how they do it. But uh, we settled into our routine and I have taken Crazy Cat Lady to a whole new level now. And um, I had so many photos of her that I actually started up an Instagram account just just for free storage. What's her name? It's Sooty's Best Life, but she has 10,000 followers now and she gets food sponsorship and everything. So. She's an influencer, a cat fluencer. She, a cat fluencer, oh yeah. Oh my God, Osh, okay. So you are a crazy cat lady, so that's oh, what happens. Meg, mega crazy So you're living cat that lady. kind of uh, stereotype. But I happily. think... Happily. Happily. And I think something that I really want to reiterate is Everybody needs somebody or something to love. And a cat does actually fit into a lot of people's lifestyles much better than a dog. And they are so clever. Cats are so cunning and they're just a pleasure to watch. I mean, they are so smart and very, very cute. But, um, you know, they're not as independent as people think, like especially mine because she lives in an apartment. You know, she is dependent on me. But I would say is that don't knock anybody who has a little fur baby because, you know, it, it fills a really big gap in their life. And it's that maternal instinct as well. And, you know, if it gives them love and joy and happiness in their home, then, you know, it's none of your business. Great. <laughs> and that's what What a great thing to be. And where yeah. are you going next? Because December is looming. Yeah. So, what's... so um, well, actually, in October, I'm bringing a group of cyclists down to Spain to cycle the highest road in Europe, which is the Pico oh, Valletta. God, that sounds horrific. No, it's amazing. It's the highest the... road in Europe. <laughs> Jesus, I'm actually getting heart attack even thinking about it. No, I couldn't. Well, it's a it's kind of a bucket list challenge for okay. cyclists. So that would be that'll be great. But then Whereabouts in, in Spain is that? It's just outside of Granada. Okay. Yeah. And then in December, so uh definitely Panama and possibly into Costa Rica for a few days as well, but definitely Panama, yeah. And you will you find a bike there? Will there do the usual cycle yeah, around? Yeah, like I mean, on those kind of trips, I'm very much interested in culture and there's rainforests and coffee plantations and all that kind of stuff but so 
I won't cycle, cycle, if you know what I mean. But again, I'll hire a jalopy and cycle around the beaches or, you yeah. know, cycle to a beach that's maybe 10 kilometres yeah. away, lie on the beach and then cycle back. So, And how, your bucket list, there mustn't be very much left on it, sounds like. Well, every time I take something off, I seem to add about oh, 10 right. more. No, the, it's infinite, it what's, really is. What's the big couple of things that you really have to do that, you know? I... I was really hopeful. I was 50 this year, just in April, and I had planned to go to Antarctica. I was thinking that might be there somewhere. Yeah, it's the only continent I haven't been to yet. Um, Unfortunately, obviously, COVID came and sort of knocked the stuffing out of my piggy bank and all the rest of it. Um, We should say in COVID, you decided to cycle from Spain to Portugal. That was the little thing you did, didn't you? Yeah, well, I'll be honest with you. Again, I struggled with COVID uh, because my business was decimated and I found it very difficult to to accept the situation or accept the rules because... I'm so surprised that you've found it difficult to accept (laughs) the rules. (laughs) No, do you know what really, really, really annoyed me was the fact that you couldn't exercise uh, with others but you could drink as much as you liked and the off-licence were open and having bumper sales and I was disgusted and I just left I just said enough is enough I'm not doing this and I took my bike to Spain and I cycled all the way from the north of Spain to the south of Spain and then went to Portugal as well Amazing. But anyway, I interrupted you there. You were saying you're going to... Antarctica. Antarctica is a big one. And is there another big one anywhere else that you kind of really, really want to? Oh oh God, everywhere. Yeah, I... You've been (laughs) everywhere, so there can't be that many places left. I've been to 70 countries now, so there's plenty more. Um, I'm kind of at the moment, so that's why I went to... uh, I went to Bruges recently in Budapest. I'm sort of looking at Riga at the moment and Villeneuve, because again, I haven't been over that direction uh, so much. I've been to Tallinn. That was really beautiful. Um, I haven't a, done a whole lot of Africa. I have done some of it, but um, and actually, the Philippines is probably my last place in Asia, and I'd really interested to go to the Philippines. They're absolutely beautiful, and again, people have this this sort of maybe image in their head that the Philippines is very poor, but mm. there's beautiful places in the Philippines, and you know, again, anywhere that's sunny, outdoorsy, has a bit of snorkeling, I'm there. Excellent. Okay. Well, look, it's been absolutely lovely talking to you. Have you one final? You say in the last chapter, my mess is my message. Yeah. You really want people to feel like that there's a wider, there's more options than they might think and that they should open their minds and think, what do I really want to do? Who do I want to be if I had none of these expectations on me? Yeah, I hope, I mean, I'm sure people will resonate with my story or they'll at least know somebody who resonates with the story, you know. Um, And in my book, again, I've been very honest and I've spoken about, you know, determination, taking responsibility for your own life. And, And I think that's, Possibly the biggest lesson I can give anyone is sit down, think about it. And that's why I became, um, I've done a a mental health and wellness coaching course. I've done life coaching, business coaching, relationship coaching courses, because I just feel that people are, you know, we're all a bit too quick to blame other people. And I've done it before, you know, I've blamed ex-boyfriends, I've blamed other people. Um, you know, and you know, but we all do it. But ultimately, you're the common denominator in your life. And, you know, till death do you part with yourself. And I think that's what people forget. You have to be able to live with yourself because nobody else is guaranteed. You're the only thing guaranteed in your life. So make it work for you. Okay. well, on that amazing message, thank you very much uh, for talking to us and the best of luck on all your travels. Thanks very much, Oisín. That was Sinead Kennedy there. The book is called Life is a Cycle. And I hope that's given you a bit of inspiration for going off on your travels on your own, because often there's people who think, you know, women shouldn't do that, which is just ridiculous. You know, it's it can be a really good way of traveling 
if you feel like it, if it's something you want to do. And if you enjoyed this episode and the podcast, please leave us a review or subscribe to the podcast as it really makes a difference to us. The podcast is produced by Suzanne Brennan and by me, Roisin Ingo, with JJ Vernon on sound. Talk to us on social at IT Women's Podcast or email us on the Women's Podcast at irishtimes.com. That's it for me. Mind yourselves and I will talk to you next time. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach. Give me great food. Tacos. Give me adventure. Hiking. Give me a date night. Sunset cruise. Give me some smiles. Cheese. Give me more beaches. Beaches. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds.